0: Listener production. You're listening to episode 80 of the Howie Games, part B, with the multi-talented Brett Lee. Let's roll. What would you say from all your wonderful games of cricket, you won a World Cup, played with your brother at various Mm. times, played test matches, took over 300 wickets, what was your highlight of your cricket career?
1: There's been some wonderful highlights in my career. Uh... To me, it, w- it wasn't always about, you know, getting five. I never scored 100, not even in the backyard, unfortunately, Howie. Right. Never got 100. Got 97 in the Shield final and I gassed it. Come to my backyard
0: with me and the Penguin, we'll let you get 100 Thanks very people. At
1: least seven these, he's bowling quick. Yeah. Got to watch out for the big Penguin. Yeah, that's right. And my <laughs> wrist me 43. <laughs> uh, it was enjoying other people's success, enjoying your own success when you do well. But I still remember walking out with my brother, Shane, and just seeing Shane Lee or S Lee, number 20 on his back. And I thought, here we are in our pyjamas, our Australian one-day colours, mm. talking about in the backyard playing cricket for Australia. You know, Grant was, the, you know, he'd be the keeper at some stage. We had a pot plant who was David Boone in close. We we'd be, would be Alan Border. I mean, my idol, my hero growing up was Alan Donald. Alan Donald. So I'd be Alan Donald. Who wrote the forward to your book. Yes, and that's the reason why I wore the white sweatband. Right. Because I loved Alan right Donald. Lightning. His action was absolute pristine. Loved his action. <laughs> Didn't realise how tall he was. Loved the way he stuck at the batsman, but he seemed like a great guy off the field. So I was trying to emulate what Alan Donald would do. So, yeah, it was just, to me, it was pl- walking out, playing for Australia with my older brother. I thought, this is pretty cool. Uh, S. Lee, B. Lee, M. War. S. War. Huh. It's just like a big game of backyard cricket. So there's that. There's winning the World Cup, holding up the trophy, uh, personally doing well, which always helps because you want to contribute. You don't always contribute and, and, and you celebrate the same way you celebrate if you get a FIFA because it's a team game. But it's always good to contribute because you feel like you've actually, you, you've earned your place in the team. And that the hardest thing for me was, There was always, I was always looking over my shoulder. Not that I wanted to, but there was always talk about, you know, sometimes spraying the ball in test cricket Mm -hmm. and, you know, I was 12th man for 15 or 16 months. And you've got to get over that as well. So some wonderful memories, hat-trick in a a World Cup, uh, hat-trick in a T20 competition. Those things are milestones that you love and you achieve. But probably... My 300th Test wicket was special. Talk me through it. Uh, at the Gabba, and the reason why I know who the batsman was because there was a I, I used this quote, and Punner laughed his head off. Um, Punner caught the Ricky Ponting caught the ball. It was Jamie Howe. nicked one off. I think it was the second new ball, and that was it. I still remember on the on the Gabba. Congratulations, 300th Test wicket. I went to the press afterwards, and they said, you know, talk us through that, and I just said How. Did I manage to get 300 test wickets? <laughs> I said, Oh, very good, very good.
0: Your toughest moment in
1: cricket? Uh, toughest moment in cricket. Probably the time when I only ever got emotional once, and I probably shed a tear, and that was the Edge Baston test. But I still put that test down as one of my favourites, even though we lost by two runs. it? Yeah! Oh, 2005 against England, we'd won the first game uh, at Lords. We were stupid. We went in and we celebrated in the the uh, the pommy dressing room, a bit cocky, a bit like this will be five 0 You know th- these guys are rubbish, and that that was intent. That that was our mindset. Uh, where's where's such and such? Where's KP or where's Freddie sitting? There you go, boys, have a beer. They weren't there, obviously. Mm. Bad omen. Ba- bad karma. Bad karma. We lose by two runs. Let them back in, they go to win the series. But I remember after Casper got out. And that classic photo of you it, and Freddie Flint. Yeah, and 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 I'm proud to say that's the spirit of cricket award now. They use that photograph. And that was a, a great moment. Freddie's a one you know, a wonderful guy, a terrific competitor. I was black and blue. I was literally bruised everywhere. What did he say to you? Look, I can't remember. something like, you know, you little bugger, you almost got there. See inside for a cold beer. Huh. I was like done. I remember I walked straight in, I walked straight to the shower and I had a moment for about a minute and I was sort of, I, I was pretty emotional. Not because we lost, because you've got to accept that you will lose in cricket. It was the fact that we fought so hard to get to where we were and that one moment, I mean, there's another moment, caught at third, Manny was, um, Casper was dropped by Simon Jones. It could have easily gone against us. We, we could have easily won. And then I came in and here I am with Andrew Flintoff, arm in arm, having a cold beer together, and he kept bloody poking on my ribs where he, <laughs> where I was bruised. <laughs> How's your rib there, mate? Oh, get away, you bugger. <laughs> but that, that, that's cricket, and they're great moments in sport. They're the things I miss. I, I walked past the nets this afternoon with you, Howie, yeah. and, 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 I, and I also said to Isha, Isha Gua, who's one of our wonderful commentators with Fox Sports, I said, I don't miss the nets. What I miss are sitting in the change room at lunch or post-game, Celebrating with the teammates, talking about, uh, and, and and talking to the opposition as well, and you know, getting get, sort of getting yourself uh, integrated with them as well, and and understanding different cultures, different ways that players play and teams play. That's what you miss from playing sport because cricket has opened up a lot of doors, and I've made a lot of friends through sport. I don't miss the playing aspect because I do associate bowling with pain, mm. <laughs> so I don't I don't miss that. Uh, But I miss all the other stuff that happens. Yeah, definitely. Word association? With? Ghosts. Ghosts. Well, I think of Durham, Shane Watson, which was hilarious. Uh, A knock on my door. Hello? Bingo it's Watto. Yeah, mate. Um, Can you come and have a look at my room? So Durham Castle, just to set the scene up at uh, northern part of England. And... Lumley Castle is allegedly this this haunted castle. I think somebody or a young girl fell down a well, her spirit lives on or his spirit lives on, whoever it is, and they reckon it's a haunted castle. And that's how they sell, that's the PR, that's the promo behind it. it Come and haunted. stay in a haunted castle. So I walk down this corridor, which is all dimly lit, and it's the way that the staff dress too. They dress like they're ghosts, like they, the, the, the real long, um, like depressing clothing that they wear. The dimly lit corridors, the headstones that you walk past. So I walk down the stairs, up three or four sets of spiral staircase, down another big set of uh, corridor, and then the corner the pocket of the uh, of the castle was Watto's room. And I walk in. There was no window. It's just a mirror. And He goes, "Do you actually think it's bloody spooky?" And I said, "Yeah, just a little bit, but it's all right." He goes, "Yeah, I just don't know, mate. I just can't get to sleep." I said, "Mate, just close your eyes and..." How old are we? <laughs> I love bloody Helena, my daughter, is turned four next month, not her age. You can understand that. We're, we're playing one-day cricket for Australia. So anyway, half an hour later, I get a knock on my door again. He comes in, he's got his pillow. He goes, can I, can I crash on your floor? I said, sure, mate. Here you go. Take the doona in. Oh, sweet. So wake up. We are playing one-day cricket for Australia. Shane Watson is asleep on my floor.
0: Because of ghosts?
1: Because he's worried about a ghost. He was scared. <laughs> and our media manager, who I won't say who it was, but she had allegedly told someone from the English press. And when they found out, they had a field day. Oh, I remember yeah. going to the game, and Darren Goff was running in a bowling bowl to Watto. He played Missy, went boom! <laughs> <laughs> to scare him, and all these people in the crowd, they all had white sheets <laughs> because there, mu- there must have been a day before we played, so it must have been two nights before we played because the news got out. And I remember uh, Alan Jones wanted to talk about. It. I'm telling the story on, uh, you know, on G B, blah blah blah, and it's just hilarious. And I was <laughs> laughing, going bloody what, hey, mate? But I remember came back from dinner and Ricky pointing goes, "Oh no!" And we're like, look, and I'm thinking it's a stitch up here. Oh no! And I said, what, what's up, Skip? Full moon tonight. Oh, yeah, that's, that's pretty bad, isn't it? All the guys in the car going, yeah, so What, what? What is going, what, what? Full moon? You don't know what happens to full moon? Ghosts. He's cooked then, right? <laughs> <laughs> Just absolutely cooked him.
0: <laughs> Good start. <laughs> but I love why he's,
1: he's a beauty. Tougher one for you, cockroaches. Oh, yeah, that was in Nagpur in India. Shane Watson again was part of that. And I don't. It wasn't my birth, I don't know whose birthday it was, but it was someone's and this guy was the, the hotel manager, took his job really seriously. He was really proud to have the Australian cricket team staying there. And just as he put the birthday cake down and got ready to sing Happy Birthday, a cockroach just scurried out of the, through the, the, the back of the cake. <laughs> just before we go any further, my wife kindly listens to the podcast. She'll be cringing now because she...
0: Hate and I hope you're not having your breakfast or <laughs> no. eating dinner. I hope she I hate hurricane. cockroaches
1: too. But imagine this cockroach just scurrying out from the back of the uh, birthday cake and this manager just nabbed it, picked it off the table mid-flight. This thing's flying across the table. Puts it, Put it in his mouth, mouth and chews it. And we're just like, looked at him and was like, has he just eaten a cockroach? <laughs> And one of those guys, going, ah, yeah, you yeah, ate a cockroach, like this. And the guy goes, no cockroach. He's has his mouth open, his tongue <laughs> open. Say, so, look, no cockroach, not cockroach. <laughs> so we just lost it. Anyways, cut the pieces up. Who wants a piece? now. we're good, thanks. we are got to going. We've got training on.
0: <laughs> one more word of satiation for you to name Elton.
1: Elton. Well, I think firstly of Elton John. Uh, Do
0: you have any Elton John tunes?
1: Uh, it's hard to play on there. Yeah. No, nah, okay. piano, but i, I well, my brother Grant's a great penis, and he plays all the Elton John songs.
0: Before you talk about Elton John, just play me anything again, because I'm enjoying the musical interludes with Brett Lee, the first musician we've had on the Howie Guns, whatever you choose. Getting a bit rusty. Nothing else matters. Exceptional work from B. Lee, who uses the entire fretboard, which I find absolutely astounding. We'll get to that again in a moment. Um, Elton, as in John, you've met some people.
1: I've been really lucky that cricket's opened up some amazing doors and I still think that some of my best moments have been through through music because part of my life was there was a part of the jigsaw puzzle missing. And once I found music at the age of probably 22, 23, in terms of playing instruments, I play bass, uh, that was when it just felt complete. So my son Preston who just turned 13 last week, he would have been I think six months old at this stage. So I'm, I'm feeding him with a bottle. My phone rings private number didn't answer I just think straight away the, the antenna goes up journalist no I'm not talking it's day off rings again private number journalist no brushed rings a third time I thought maybe someone's had an accident or I might just check here hello is that Brett speaking yeah Brett's Elton John and my exact words were and excuse my language I said y- you're shitting me <laughs> So I've just sworn to Sir Elton John. <laughs> out of the blue, totally out of the blue, never spoken this legend in my life, I said, where are you? He goes, I'm in Wellington, about to go out and do a gig Thursday night. He goes, now on Sunday you're playing against Sri Lanka at the SCG, aren't you? I said, yeah. I'm thinking, is this a stitcher? It so- <laughs> actually sounds like him. <laughs> uh, I thought, well, bugger it. if If it isn't him, it's going to be fun, but I'm going to... Take the chance and think it is him. He goes, What about Saturday lunch? Do you have any plans? I said, Not now. He goes, Right, I'll put you on to my PA. And once again, it was like when you get chosen for Australia. Like then, you know, you can't remember what he's saying and you're thinking about this is gonna go meet John, hang out and have lunch. He's saying, just be here at twelve o'clock sharp. A little um, I think it's what the, the park Hyde, I think that that's uh hotel which is just below the harbour bridge mm-hmm. in Sydney. So I get up to the floor and he goes, look, bring whatever you want. If you want to bring something for it on sign, he'd be more than happy to do it. So I took my guitar and I took a test shirt as well to give him as a, as a gift because I thought if he's going to sign something for me, I want to mm. maybe give him something. And walk in, there's two gentlemen, two big burly blokes, and they're on a desk outside this hotel room, obviously being his major security. He pretty much had the whole floor blocked off. I said, oh, hi, Brett, how are you? Um, Susan there waiting, he's expecting you. And so I sort of walk in you know, with my guitar in hand. I'm just about to meet Elton John. <laughs> <laughs> this is weird, right? This is weird. This is great. This is exciting. And I walk around the corner and out he comes in the full white Nike track seat, exactly what I pictured if you be like. Comes out gives me a big hug. How are you, mate? Sit down. So we sat down and at first I was like nervous for the first probably five seconds. But then it was just like having a conversation. And I'm saying... You know when you played at Wembley or when you, when you played at such and such and this and that what was it like and then he said that ball where you went wide the crease I, was, I kid you not I could not believe this it was like he was worded up. he goes when you went wide the crease in Tazzy last well, not Tassie in Tasmania last week and reverse swung the ball back in Mahala J. Warden left it at body off stump ball of summer I'm like this is bloody Elton John talking about cricket. I'm I'm not kidding. He knew so much about cricket and had genuine interest in cricket. (laughs) So spent the whole two hours with him and I said, look, my mum and dad are massive fans. And then he calls um, one of his uh, assistants who brings out CDs, DVDs, books. What's her name? Helen and Bob. Okay, to Helen and Bob, lots of love. Elton John signed my guitar, gave him a test shirt. Yeah, it was really nice to meet you. And I left. And as I got in the car to drive back to my house, there was an Elton John song playing on the radio. It was so funny.
0: How
1: cool is that? And fast forward and there was a, a Coldplay concert on in Sydney and there's a big commotion at the back of the box, you know, when like someone something happened or someone's walking in. I turned around. Here's Elton John. He made a beeline straight for me. Everyone's going, oh. <gasps> I saw him, John. And he walked straight past everyone, came gave a massive hug. How's your music going? How's your, you know, how's your guitar going? Are you writing any more songs? All right, gotta go, we'll catch up with you soon. Gave me a hug, walked out. Everyone's gone, You're kidding me. <laughs> you know how I felt so good then. No, <laughs> like, Talk about ego, that was like <laughs> The Rocket Man. Rocket Man came in mm-hmm. and then, yeah, had the pleasure and I I made contact with him when he played at my hometown at Wollongong. And myself and my wife Lana, we went, um before he went on and and caught up with him, sort of backstage, and had a chat, and I had a beer, and he was like getting warmed up, and yeah, just like genuine guy, really, really nice fella, and I just thought, I'm am a guy from bloody Mount Warrigal, Mount Warrigal, you know, Oak Flat High School, Ballerine Primary School, and I'm hanging with Elton John. Huh. This is uh, this is exciting. This is fun. You get as a result of your Elton John story, which makes you smile. You
0: now get the question from. My nine-year-old, Sky, who operates as the Pickle, who's starting to get into music, which is fantastic. The
1: Pickle. All right, Sky. Hi, Brett. Pickle here. (laughs) Daddy says you rock the guitar, which is super cool by you. I'm just starting to learn. What is the biggest audience you've played in front of and did you get nervous? Good question, Pickle. It is,
0: because you said you stood at your top of your mark on your test debut and you weren't nervous, but that's something you do.
1: That's a very good point. And when you do something your whole life growing up and you want to achieve that dream, to me, bowling came naturally. And and, and not bragging here, but that's that's what felt normal, to, to hold the board, try and swing the ball away. That's what felt normal. Put me in front of about 2,500 people at a gig in uh, Castle Hill, in in a in a West Sydney, uh, with a bass guitar in my hand, standing up, feeling it's totally out of my comfort zone. That was a weird, but such an an exhilarating feeling because the the sort of vibe you get, the energy that you get out of that, that's as close as what it comes to taking a wicket or to, or to playing, playing that at, at that level. And we we had an amazing uh, we. End up doing about 250 shows around Australia with our band Six and Out. Six and Out, the cricket yeah. band. Cricket band. Can't bowl,
0: can't, can't throw.
1: Yeah, and which uh, was one of the songs that we wrote, and it was about obviously with Scott Muller, and did Shane Warren say it, and I believe him now, and uh, it was Joe the cameraman, and we thought we'd take a bit of a Mickey and <laughs> take the piss out of it. <laughs> Have and you
0: still got that shit, uh, song up your sleeve now? Yeah. Come on then. Gosh. <laughs> this is uh, Six and Out, which was New <laughs> South Wales cricketers. Was Brett Lee. Brad McNamara, Richard Cheequi, who else was part of Six and Out?
1: Uh, Gavin Robertson, S. Lee, B. Lee, Richard Cheequi, and Brad McNamara. Before
0: you play, because it became really poppy around Sydney, you mm. were telling me the other day when we were talking about guitar about uh, I think it was being in the New South Wales change rooms and you were thinking, yeah, I'd like a piece of this with no musical background. No, I've never
1: played an instrument in my life and I heard a bit of a, like a few whispers and Richard Chiqui was going, yeah, we should form this band and I'm just I'm in going... Right, and Gabby goes, "Oh look, I'll play drums. I've played drums in a few bands." Shane says, "Like, oh, I like playing acoustic sides. So I'll play rhythm guitar." Brad Buzzard goes, "I'll play lead because I enjoy playing lead." Um, Cheeks, so "I'll I'll be lead singer." I'm thinking bass guitar. Uh, sorry, I'm thinking acoustic guitar, lead guitar, drummer, lead singer, bass. They haven't got a bass player, so I went down to Wollongong Music, got my brother Grant because he plays piano. And I said, Grant, I need a bass guitar. So I walk in and I pick out this bass guitar, this purple Ibanez, horrible looking thing. And I said, oh, mate, there's only four strings. And the guy goes, yeah, most bass, guitar. yeah, you can get a five and a six string bass guitar, but most come with four. So it was like, right, that's not a great start. We've got four four <laughs> strings and I've got to try and learn bass. And I learnt, we learnt um, a song, you know the... Uh, That proclaimers. proclaimers, yeah, and we changed the lyrics to advance Australia fair. So we played that at a blues function, and I'd only been playing bass a week. and I had to go out and play that in front of a you know a, a small, probably 50 people, that was pretty nerve wracking. But then we, we started to practice a lot, and we we ended up writing some stuff. But then the whole uh, Scott Muller thing came up, and we, we thought we'd write a song. Come on, then this has been a while since, and it's I'll really play it on bass, but I'll get right. on guitar, try and work it out. Right. <coughs> Excuse me. Brent
0: Lee on the Howie Games.
1: I was trying out for the high school cricket team. <laughs> Dream one day I'll be wearing that bag of green. got we were young the coach called me over and said sorry son because you you can't bowl and you you can't throw i'm just telling you what everybody knows looks absolute sitters that you put down all the tailwinders hit you out of the ground don't ask why was cameraman Joe. They say you can't bowl and you can't throw. <laughs> uh, things you do, eh? Well, I met this good looker down at my local bar. And I told her she was talking to this big time cricket star. <laughs> I told her my stats. I dropped my name, she said. I've never heard of you, and I hate that game. <laughs> <laughs> That's sort of oh. very similar to some Paul
0: Kelly-type stuff yeah, it there. It is
1: very much. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fun.
0: Back to being it in a moment. We've got a fair old back catalogue of apps on the show now, so please go back, select one about a guest you may not actually be that familiar with, and hit play. That'd be cool. Also... It seems more and more good people are joining the podcast revolution. Cool. So if you could recommend the show to just two people in your life, I'll love you forever. On previous episodes of the show, we've offered a Howie Games podcast with someone that is really dear and near to you. Someone that you think may have a story to tell, someone whose story wanna preserve. It doesn't go to air to the general public, it's just for you and your family. So I come along, you give me some idea about this person, we sit down, we have a chat, and we catalog their life. If that's something that you're interested in, send us an email to hotmail.com. That's Howie, H-O-W-I-E, hotmail.com, and hopefully, we can record a podcast for you and those that you love. All right, back to Bing. Mate, the artistic side of your life. Um, and I was talking to Matty Weese, our executive producer today, and I said I can't wait to chat to Bing, or one, because he's so positive. But two, not afraid to do what other people would say is taking a massive risk and mm. have the opportunity of people to really take the piss out of you. Yep. Um, with singing and with movies. Yep. Um, a big movie called Un Indian. I'm talking a fully big movie production. Yeah. What is it like? And you'll laugh when I say this. What is it like being a movie star?
1: <laughs> well, firstly, it's, like it's I, courageous, Brett. It is courageous. Look, and I know I'm not a great musician. I, I love playing. Uh I know I'm not a great singer, but I can I, I can sort of hold a note. I know how to play a few chords, and but that's that's what makes me happy, so that's why I do it. So I'm not out to please anyone. If anyone sleds me, I'm like, well, say what, you know? I, I bowl and I can play with a bit of guitar, and that's what makes me proud. I got offered to do a movie on Indian, and they gave me the script. But this is
0: for those people. Just have a look at the um, the the promo. What's it called? The, um, yeah, the it was, trailer. Yes. All right. Educate yeah, me. How do I, can't I can't pick up my my an Indian chick? In oh, firstly, she's not an Indian chick. She's a hottie with a dot. Boom. This is not. Two camera dodgy shoot, uh, art house type flick. This is a
1: full it's movie, a big production. production we're yeah. talking
0: about here. So sorry, continue. I just want to set the scene for people.
1: So there's a gentleman called Anupam Sharma who is a Indian Australian guy. grew up in India but um, spent most of his life here in Australia. At his sort of uh, teens and then older on, he he's done like a lot of stuff. So he's done some some local stuff for homegrown Australian talent, and we shot a commercial together about. Ten years ago, maybe fifteen years ago now, and he goes, "One day, I want to get you in a movie." I'm like, "Okay, yeah, whatever, mate." So, Anu called me up and we we sort of met, and he goes, "Look, I've got this idea. I want to. We've got this movie which we've been put forward. It's got a great script." I said, well, "What is it?" He goes, "It's a romantic comedy." What's it about? It's about a Sydney-born guy who's an English teacher, teaches culture, that falls in love with an Indian girl that comes over to Australia to escape her life in India and through a chance meeting they fall in love. Right. So I'm thinking, you know, am I playing the role of a cricketer? Do I come in with a little cameo and wear my whites and, hey, and do a chainsaw and get out? He goes, I want you to be the lead actor. And I nearly choked on my coffee. I was like, what? I want you to be my lead actor. And how long do you need me for? Three and a half months. Oh. Three and a half months? Where? Like I can't be in India for three and a half months. No, it's Sydney. It's an Australian film with Indian culture and Indian flavor. So I get the script and I sit down and I'm chatting over with Lana, my wife, and I just said, This is actually a, a big role. This is this is a big this is a movie. This is a bloody movie. It's not a commercial where you get, you know, a script, like a little one or two page or um, one or two paragraphs of dialogue. This and is. Nor is it a walk on cricket roll. No, this is like 139 pages of, of dialogue. And I looked through it and I read through the script and I said, look, it's a romantic comedy. There's uh, a, a tasteful, and I'll use the word in, in very, very inverted commas, a tasteful sex scene mm. and a kissing scene. Lana, what do you think? I think you have to do it. It's a great opportunity. It'd be a really good fit and it'd put you out of your comfort zone. And I didn't sort of have to get the green light off her, but I wanted her to sort of pretty much talk me into it. Like, you've got to do this. It's 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 a great opportunity. And how many other people that play creative have had the chance to be in a movie? And that's, that's the thing, like, I want to do this. You don't know when you're going to die and, you, and that's, you know, you try and take every single opportunity and, and, and make the most of it. Well, when I agreed to do it and we sort of went through and did the timings and this is where it's going to start and this is where you're going to finish and this is what's going to happen. Now, I thought a movie was when you when you watch the movie and you're on Netflix or whatever and you see the, the first scene, so they shoot that first and then they shoot it in the order of the movie goes and they finish the closing scene and, and that's it. No, no, no. You, you might shoot page 56 first, which is totally something that's halfway through the movie. So it's all disjointed. Yeah, and they bring it all together. I didn't know that. Well, either did I. And when I get on set, I said to Anu, mucking around, where's my trailer? <laughs> he goes, over there. I was like, no way. And this big vanity van type of thing, and I have opened it up and it had everything shower. <laughs> Excuse me. Had a shower and and everything there and I and like minibar and and lounge and I walked in I said oh, I can't be in here I can't be in a bloody vanity Did you have van. a little star on the door? Yeah, What <laughs>
0: <laughs> with your name.
1: But then it actually had Will, who was my actor. So it had Brittley, Then they crossed it out. So oh. I was then Will. But then I actually thought, well, I do need somewhere where I can have a rest. If I needed like a twenty minute kip or whatever. But is it Beautiful Mine where they've got all those posters? Yes, postage. Russell Crowe yeah. in his shed. Well, that was me. With your scripts. I had all my scripts up on the wall so I wanted to learn on that particular day we'd do two or three pages a day and I wanted to sort of understand the movie and get it all up. I thought the hardest part for me would be to remember the lines. The acting part should come easy because I've done commercials and stuff. No, other way around. The lines came easy. The acting part was the hardest thing because it's not a commercial. You're not selling a product. You're actually selling... I, I'm I'm Will. So the day that the the time I arrive on set, morning Will, there's no more Brett.
0: So you're not Brett in an advertisement. No. selling a
1: product. You're Will. And I'm Will when I get on set. All the staff have to call me Will. Everyone on set, the runners, uh, the driver. Morning Will. So I became Will. So I'm Will on set, and I, there's no Brett talk. There's not nothing. It's all Will. So what is it like?
0: When you step into there and we, you know how many people we've got on Fox Cricket to do mm. a cricket broadcast, there's probably 100 production staff. I can only imagine what it's like on a movie and there's light and directors and sets and audio. What is it like when you walk out there oh, and they're it, all
1: relying on you? It's Exactly. It's daunting. And the first day we, we shoot down at one of the beaches in uh, eastern Sydney and they had the whole one of the whole lanes blocked off and I'm thinking... I'm into a scene here, my first scene in a movie, and all these people are relying on me. Like, you know, they're here, and I'm, I'm the I'm the lead actor, and the the, the co actor, co lead actor Tanisha Chatterjee, who's a legend. She did like Brick Lane 2008, uh, a few other feature films over in India. She's a gun actor. She's so good, and she's such a lovely person. And she pretty much held my hands throughout the whole movie and helped me out a lot. But I, there was part of me that went, I'm not sure I can do this. And you get the sort of cold feet. You get the second, you know rush of blood come over you and you go, this is not me, like give me the ball. This is so much easier to bowl in the nets and if it doesn't hit the pitch. <laughs> but give me give me the ball because this is such foreign ground for me and I got through the first day and I came home I was like, yeah, I felt okay but you know, I think I can do better and, and as each day went on I got more comfortable, I think it was day three we had to do the kissing scene, that was the hardest part. The actual, inverted commas again, the sex scene was more of a hug Really tasteful. There was nothing obviously shown, and I just said straight away that these 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 are do's and don'ts I'm going to do. But the actual intimate kissing scene was hard because you had to be in the moment, mm. and that was something that was so weird for me to do. And you try you have to kiss someone, and knowing that there's all these cameras in your face and people behind the camera, and then directors and producers, and they're going cut, go again, different angles, different lighting, blah blah blah. So that, that was that was hard, that was embarrassing, but that happened on day three. So I'm glad that it happened early, got it out of the way, but also if it happened later, may, maybe we got a better sort of moment for it because I would have understood and actually got to know her better. But I think it was good because it had to make us have that first awkward kiss, which mm. they took the first take because that was awkward. And it was awkward, it felt awkward, and that's how I was meant to look on camera. So... We somehow fluked it because we were so awkward. Well, I was anyway.
0: And when you look back
1: now, as I said, I think it's tremendously courageous. As is,
0: When you look back now and see it, are you like, that's hard to watch. I'm proud of myself for doing that. It's actually okay. I love it. I think it. I'm
1: proud, yeah. I'm actually... Because people that have seen it said, you've done a really good job. And I, I actually saw Will, the, the, the person, the English teacher, not, not you, the cricketer. Huh. But when we're watching... We saw it for the first time, we get like the first chance to watch it and they hired a studio, like a big cinema. So I'm there with my wife and her parents are behind me and the kissing scene comes I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> so I'm squeezing a hand and my hands are so clammy. Love you, darling. It's all good. Just look away for a sec. Oh, no. But she just said, no, you did a great job. Good stuff.
0: <laughs> hey, I've taken up enough of your time. We're talking about movies. Uh, the number two song in India and South Africa, You're the One for Me. Do you have any of that up your sleeve? Is that a guitar song? I don't know. No, it's sort of... It's the number uh, two song in went India. Went to number one, Howie. Number one. Number one, I flipped it. Sorry, number no, one. The number one in cheek,
1: song joking. in no, India. No, it, it was weird. I, I, I got offered to do... Uh, okay, we'll take it back to the start. So a music producer called uh, Shamir Tendon, he met me in a hotel foyer and said, listen, uh, this is what I'm thinking. We want to do duets... There's a singer that you wouldn't have heard of called Asha Bosley. I said, oh, I know Asha Bosley. She's, she's a gun. Like, she's a really good singer. She sings in all the different languages. So it's like Aretha Franklin of India. Who else involved? Sanjay Dutt, blah, blah, blah. This Bollywood actor, blah, blah. Um, and Robbie Williams. I went, what? The Robbie Williams. Robbie Williams? The English singer. Yeah, he's in. He's doing a duet. They're going to do Angels. Well, if, Rob, if Robby's in, I'm in. <laughs> <laughs> no
0: doubt. He's probably saying, well, if Brent Lee's in, I'm in.
1: <laughs> He'd be like, who? <laughs> so what do we have to do? And he says, well, look, we'll, um, we'll pick the song, get your turn up and just do some guide vocals and then we'll, we'll you know, make it happen. And I remember getting off the phone and I went, I literally, I wrote this song in 18 minutes and I wrote it the fact that I'd sing the first part in English or most of it in English. She'd sing in Hindi, so she'd echo me, or I'll be saying something, she'd be coming back in in Hindi. And again, she sings in English, and I sing in Hindi. And the last part is like, uh, gosh. (laughs) And that means, yes, I'm yours, and I'll be yours forever. And she put this amazing vocal on it. And I did it for fun and so picture, So we're up in Mahali, North mm. India, and we're in this bubble. We're not allowed to leave the hotel, but I had to go and record this song. So I played it to the guy over the phone he says, I love it, let's use it. So the next day I wrote, so wrote you've it. you've written the song? In 18 minutes, I played it back to him after he, he's on his way home from the meeting, I still i got the song. And I just, I just came to him, I don't know, I just wrote it. It's a friggin' cheesy love song, Howie. It's it's a rubbish cheesy love song, and that's a, that's why I write it so quickly. So I had to sneak out of the hotel room before the one day match that next day to go to the studio, which was like twenty five minutes away. In oh, India. you're still playing? I'm playing for Australia. I'm in the middle of a series. I'm so playing I, for Australia. So I sneak. <laughs> Excuse me. I sneak out of the uh, the hotel room. Get picked up. Go to a studio, put down the guide guitar, put down a guide vocal, put down a main vocal and a backing vocal, and then I had to go to the game the next day. And we had to win. If we won in Mohali, I think it was it was zero one to them. If we won, it, it meant that we played the third and final game in Mumbai, and Mumbai was where Usher lives. And if there's a chance to a film clip, they said you have to go to Mumbai. I said, well. If we lose tomorrow, they fly us home. I said, I'm not losing tomorrow. I've got to do this film clip. So we went out we resold India because <laughs> I had to win out. So we flew down to, to Mumway, great. Get off the bus, go to check in the team or allegedly check in, straight back in the car, straight to the studio, do this film clip, which is hilarious. My acting skills are at its best there. And get home six, eight weeks later, get a call, say, oh, that song that you wrote, um, You're the One for Me, is debuted at number six. I was like, what? Number two, what? It's gone to number one. I'm like, no way. And I just, I literally did it for fun. <laughs> and then to walk out playing during for the Australian cricket team or playing in IPL and hear this <laughs> Hirohunga," the whole stadium, I thought, this is weird. This is weird, but this is cool. And that that was once again that opportunity, right place, right time. Uh I would be getting sledged. You know, there'd be people sledging me and they'll be going, mate, what, what are you doing write this song? Andrew Simons would hop into me. I said, mate, Barzi hasn't even got a number one song in India. <laughs> oh, hilarious. Oh, but you've got to enjoy life, Howard. It's too too short. And you know, and and I see the way that you prepare to do things and, you know, you read the book last night and you understand and, you know, and you want to get a real good understanding about how, how things, and it's the way that you prepare for, you know, your commentary too. You, you come in, you do a lot of stuff off the, off the cuff, which is great, and that's I, I want to be as prepared to do something because you don't want to make an ass of yourself. You, you know, you want to go in and do the best possible job. So when I played in the band, I learnt as many uh, bass riffs as possible. I learnt the song inside out, back to front. When I played Creed, I prepared the best way I could. If I want to do a movie, I, 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 you know, And even though it mightn't be great, but it's the best that I could do. And if I wake up in the morning and go that this is the best that I can do, this is the best person that I can be, and I'm achieving that dream, well, then I'm pretty happy.
0: Which is a perfect summation of you as a person, which is why I was so excited about doing this. My favourite over I've ever had the luck, privilege to commentate. (laughs) I know exactly where you're going. Oh, it's the final over of the first Big Bash final we did at Channel Ten. And you call it so well too. Well, thank you. You bowled it so well. Um, aren't we good? <laughs> um, <laughs> it, the the final it was the final over of your career. Uh, Scorchers versus the Sydney Sixers. Yeah. Still the best game of T Twenty cricket. Oh, I've probably commentated three hundred games now. I don't know wow. how many games.
1: Um, what
0: are your memories of your final over of top level cricket?
1: Uh, once I got that first wicket, it was like, I can do this.
0: One to win. He <laughs> Brent Lee, the big chainsaw, comes out. He keeps his career going. He keeps his team going.
1: Steve will always tell me, no matter what situation, no matter what happens, you can always win from any, any moment of the game. And it's stayed with me for my whole life. And there are moments where you get close and you get beaten, but there are moments where... I think because I had that mindset, we won a lot of games that we probably shouldn't have or probably couldn't have. Mm. But we pulled it out of the bag somehow. So my last over in competitive cricket, and even to that last over, I was working on my action. I worked on my action throughout my whole career. <laughs> even before last, I'm just working, okay, pull down hard, make sure that the head stays straight, don't fall away. You know, 38 years of age, get the wicket. I think I can do this, get the next wicket. You know, what hat trick in the last day. I mean, what a fairy tale if that happened.
0: One of two balls, Whiteman for his first ball. Everyone is on the circle, he's bowling. Oh, you can't believe it. Brentley's on a hat-trick. He lets Whiteman know he's got one ball left in his career, and he's on a hat-trick.
1: I get the last ball, one run to win. And a lot of people are thinking, Well, what what are you thinking in the last and I was literally like, Thank God, this is my last ball. I'm done. I'm so proud of what I've achieved but this is my last ball of a competitive game and I always said my last ball that I'll bowl I'm going to rip my hammy off the bone as hard as I can so have to bowl again and I ran in we all know what happened there was a, a quick single um, a throw from Henriques
0: no yeah, it came um, into Henriques from, from Lummy it.
1: to yep. Henriques uh, who spilt the ball dropped it they scurry through for the single scorches win I'll tell you what
0: he's been- Blockbuster here. You're kidding me, Fletch. A double, a hat trick to win the game for the Sixers. This is, unless it's a super over, the final ball of his career. Look at him focusing.
1: Yeah, he's visualising this Yorker. Come on, be
0: He's calling into the stunts. For one more Yorker in his career, Brett Lee steams into Arafat. It's up there, Arafat hits and he's out. Oh, the scorch of the home. They've gone back to back. You cannot believe what you're seeing. They stream onto the field. The run-out chance was there. It was misfielded. Brett Lee, his career is done. And the Scorchers, in incredible fashion the camera, go back-to-back in a big
1: bash thriller. And I was like, oh. I went down on my knee and I'm like holding my, my fist towards resting on my head, not out of anger but just out of disbelief. I get up and I'm like, oh. And I ping my quad. So I... I that me taking the mickey sound and ripped the hammy off the bone it wasn't the hammy, it was my quad. So if it would have been a super over, it would have been tough. I would have found a way to get through it. But I I love that game and that's the thing, you don't always have to get a fifer or win a game to enjoy it. I enjoyed that game. I enjoyed that night. We partied hard. We celebrated even though that we lost. We we, we had a few drinks with the Scorchers uh, and I, well, that's it. I, it's, it's my time. I could play. I could play now but I don't want to. And why why would I want to be 39 years of age the next year and keep some young kid Mm. achieving his dream at 18 or 19 that he would have told his parents that he wants to play for Australia or play for the Sixers one day?
0: It's funny you say that because I remember walking down through the stadium to leave and I saw you and I just Mm. remember I didn't really know you so I was probably a little bit edgy and congratulations and what a fantastic game, thanks for the game. And you just looked like it sounds funny now to use the word but you just looked serene. You just look
1: like the happiest man on the planet. And I was because I knew there'd be no more training, there'd be no more putting my body through torture. I mean, playing test cricket, you know, when a bowler lands on the front foot, it's around two to three times their body weight.
0: Hmm.
1: I was 16 times my body weight. Hmm. So 16 times 88 kilos, it's, a, it's over a ton. It it's is. A, well over a ton. It's a lot of weight going through my ankle and my and my knees and my back and the stress of touring, being away from the family, missing my son, um, dealing with the media, ups and downs, personal stuff. Look, th- th- There's all ups and downs in life, but I would never change anything. In my life, I wouldn't change anything because that's, yeah, that, that was what I've done and that's that's my life.
0: And you've recently become a father again. Oh, no, I know, I've got three Show me now.
1: photos. Got the hat trick. Yeah. I love being a dad. Yeah. Uh, I'm so lucky that.
0: Is it your main role?
1: Life yeah, and look, uh well, I say first innings didn't work out for me. Mm. I was bowled better in the second innings. I always say <laughs> <laughs> innings uh, second innings in terms of um you know I, I've got an amazing wife. I'm so glad I got the chance to meet her, and through a number of reasons, for whatever it was, I did get the chance to meet Lana, and that you know, and I, I got Preston, my, my little boy from my, my, my first relationship, and she she adores him, she loves him. Helena, who is probably uh, she, having a daughter is different. it's a different relationship. I love it. She comes fishing with me we hang out and she loves music she dances I play all the wiggle songs and she adores it and, uh, and and now Rafferty who's almost six months old L- life is great. I'm so happy. I'm missing them now it actually makes me feel like I want to mm. go home. Mm. but you know I want to provide them with a good education and a good future which is why I'm away working and I love it when I'm up here and it's fun. But family comes first for me always.
0: So on that topic of kids, the final question I have for you, we are blessed on this show to have a lot of kids listen with their parents, which Mm. fills me with absolute happiness when you get messages on social media or emails saying, you know, I'm taking my young bloke to cricket training or my daughter to swimming training and they heard such and such and it changed their approach to something. Like that's the coolest thing about doing this podcast. A question that you could answer for three hours... But we don't need to. If you had to give one advice to a young person
1: about not necessarily about sport, but about life,
0: what would it be? Uh, would
1: well, there be there be a couple? Yes. Firstly, is to respect people. Uh, to I know it's a cliche, but to treat people the way that you want to be treated. And we hear it all the time. And but but do people really do that? Probably not. But back yourself. Like everyone's got a dream, and it's very hard for me. This, this is a, the thing I find hardest is that when I go to schools and I talk, and I try to do like a rev up speech or a, a motivational talk to the young kids, or it might be around mental health or whatever. And I tell them that that story about, I knew I was going to play for Australia when I'm nine. And there are, I know there are kids in the audience that want to play for Australia in cricket. And I know that the chance of them is probably so small. But how do you say that to a kid? The way I answer that is like, dream because someone has to do it. It's almost like that supermodel um, theory. Supermodels probably struggle to find a guy because they're, they're so embarrassed to go up because she's too hot, she's too good-looking, no, no one talks to her. Mm. She ends up going home by herself. You don't know how she don't get. Like if you've got to put your best foot forward. and If you believe that is your destiny in life or that's your destiny or that's your, your dream, have a crack at it because there are 11 guys out there that all come from humble beginnings they might be from cities they might be from country areas someone has to do it so i say to the kids why not be you why can't you be the next david warner why can't you be the next tim payne why can't you be the next mitchell johnson Elise least perry Elise Elise, and that is so good and that's it's, it's it's great now that the girls are actually going i actually want to make a living out of cricket and i think it's special so kids just listen to your and dad uh eat your vegetables eat your vegetables <laughs> enjoy life uh and do something that you find that you love. If you find a, the job, as we're so lucky, we all love cricket. We do. If you find a job that you love, you'll be pretty good at it.
0: This is an episode that I know now will fill people with joy, which I'm absolutely stoked about. I can't thank you enough. I was really looking forward to it and you walked in here and said you were looking forward to it and that's the type of person you are. We had a beer. Pleasure, some music. If you're walking out at the MCG... In front of 90,000 people as Brett Lee, the musician, and you've got to wow the crowd with something upbeat that you're going yep. to play on your guitar and sing. Yep, might as well finish off the show with that. I reckon. Easy. Toot toot, chug a
1: chug a big red car. <laughs> travel near and travel far. Toot toot, chug a chug.
0: There you go, kids. Brett Lee, you're <laughs> There's a star. The Wiggles. <laughs> Thanks for coming on the Howie game. Brett Lee, one of those people that just seems to be good at everything, yet treats everybody meets like they are the most important person in the world. It's a rare combination. Thanks to Binger for once again going out on a limb by bringing his guitar and rocking the show's nuts off. Thanks to Darcy Thompson for pulling this together, as he always does, stoked he's on board once again this series and most importantly to you, crew, for listening to the show and hopefully spreading the word to others. Have a great New Year's celebration, treat yourselves and stay safe. Until Thursday, January 9, with Farward Ahmed, peace and love.
1: And we can do it if we try, try, try. If we try, try, try. Try, try, try Listener